Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Mr. Charles Rockhill. Woo-woo. Hello. That's my first episode. This is your first episode on Light Treason News. That's exciting. I'm very excited. And it's so shitty out. I texted Charles and I was like, FYI, I'm not changing out of my pajamas. I'm very jealous. Your girl's having a day. Oh, my God. I hear you're having a day, too, though. Uh, it was just uh, the I had a doctor's appointment before this, and they just uh, I had to get blood drawn, and I had to have a vaccine. That uh. was, I mean, it was voluntary, but... <clears throat> they didn't force you to get yeah. vaccinated. They weren't like, you need this. Uh, <laughs> they were like, do you want it? It's free. And I was like, yes, I do. Sure. So I got uh, the first of three shots of Gardasil. Okay. Cool. Okay. They're like, usually people between the ages of like like 17 and 20 something get this. But now if your insurance covers it, just get it. What is it? It's the um, HPV uh, mm. vaccine. Yes, yes, yes. I have to get one of three shots. And uh, they sent me, they have a pharmacy on the first floor. So I was like, go get the Gardasil, come back, you'll be all set. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. What they failed to tell me was that while I was gone, everyone went on break. (laughs) (laughs) Great, 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 great. So then I had to like beg the triage nurse, not the regular nurse, to be like, could you please just throw this in my arm so I can leave? (laughs) Right, right. And uh, that was fun. Um, I'm having the kind of day that I was texting with a friend of mine. And in order to comfort me, she was like, don't worry, the revolution will happen soon. <laughs> <laughs> and that is good news. I mean, will it happen soon enough? That's my concern. What is your definition of soon? Um, tomorrow would be great. Yeah. I'll pencil it in for tomorrow. Uh, yeah, guys. What's it's going on with your day? It's tax time, so I'm being ah, smashed. That makes sense. Smashed. Just, you know, frustrating for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't get into it. I don't want to stress everybody out. Everybody has their own problems, right? Uh, but yeah, I just thank you to everybody who's supporting the show. You guys are great. And uh, yeah. To carry over uh, Charles's financial advice from your previous podcast, <laughs> don't pay your taxes. They're stealing your money. Uh, don't take my advice. Don't take, never listen to Charles financially. Also, don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to either of us when it comes to finances. Uh, yeah, so I had my, I said it was a yearly freak out, but honestly, it's at this point like once every other month where I start to actively fantasize about moving out of the city, mm-hmm. buying a house. Uh, getting a real job and not having to stress about money anymore. And I said that and some people were like, oh, you still stress about money if you have a real job. I understand that. Freelancers, it's a special kind of hell. Yeah. Because our income is erratic and then the IRS is like, oh, we're just going to take all your money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool, thank you. Um, Bye. Have we talked about where you would move when you are either done living in this wonderful trash city <laughs> or when it is uh, underwater? No, I haven't thought about it. A friend of mine lives in the Midwest and her mom owns like a house out there. And Mm -hmm. she's like, you're welcome to come stay with us. I also have friends in Maine who are like, you can come live with us. Uh, I know it's that's the thing, though, like anywhere that's not New York City, I'm going to be like, oh, (laughs) okay." As long as I have access to places that have food 24 hours. Right. I should be okay. It would definitely have to be a city. But then that presents like more problems where it's expensive to live and all that stuff so what would your dream desk job be when you move to the midwest to live on this ranch a dream desk job (laughs) uh i don't have one no yeah uh all right (laughs) do you have an answer 
Um, I mean, I guess it would just be what I always, I mean, what I intended to go to college for that I didn't end up doing, which was um, either being, uh, I wanted to be a lawyer. Ooh. No, bad idea. <laughs> uh, if you want to sell your soul or I wanted to get into journalism, which is also not a great idea right now. Oh, yeah. Terrible <laughs> idea. Whenever really young journalists write me like for advice, I'm like, um, don't do it. Mm. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah. It was one of those. I was like, oh, yeah, I can work at a newspaper and uh, things will be like, stop the presses. Right. <laughs> no, nope. no, it's it's really, really boring and really, really hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably I mean. When I was thinking about what skills do I have, it would be something in journalism or mm. publishing or something like that. I can yell at people on the internet. I'm good at that. Can I have you, strong opinions about things. Can you pay me for that? So, hello everyone. We are in the pop culture section right now of Light Trees and News. However, today, I don't know if this necessarily counts as pop culture, but I wanted to talk about it. And I don't know if you saw it, Charles. Um, there is a Washington Post op-ed that's getting a lot of attention, especially on Twitter, written by uh, Carrie Purcell. And the title is, I'm tired of being a Jewish man's rebellion. So, of course, immediately everyone was like, oh, no, mm-hmm. what is this going to be? And the first line of the article or op-ed really just lays the foundation for how terrible everything that comes after it is. <laughs> Carrie writes, at my very first job in New York, a colleague jokingly informed me, you came in a wasp, but you're leaving a Jew. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, She continues, that statement was in reference to the demographics of the office's staff. Almost everyone who worked there was Jewish, and I, a recent college graduate who had spent my adolescence in a largely Christian community in the South, was not. At the time, I had no idea she would end up being so right. So basically, the op-ed is about how her various uh, experiences dating Jewish men who at first said religion didn't matter to them, but then eventually it turned out it did. And um, Carrie surmises that they were basically like using her to act out before they settled down with a nice Jewish girl. My personal favorite part of (laughs) the op-ed is when she is just ranting about a boyfriend's uh, mother and how, quote-unquote, overbearing she is. That's not a stereotype at all. Right, which is just a great stereotype of Jewish women in general. But then, like, the next part of the paragraph is, for some reason, they wouldn't invite me to Cedar. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right, because you hated his mother. Yeah. you. It doesn't sound like you got along. Uh, no, 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 no. And then she, the closing paragraph is just, terrible so she writes in the meantime i'll continue dating men and meeting my friends jewish and not to swap tinder horror stories over drinks hopefully while sipping the cocktail i'm determined to create named a jewish man's rebellion i'd like it to feature a bourbon base and be garnished with a slice of bacon um they they really left that last bit in there they sure did Hmm. they sure did the editor wasn't like hey hey hey, maybe (laughs) cut this like we we are at a threshold of racism right <laughs> and anti-semitism yeah Should we you know what bacon joke you know what let's it's fuck necessary it. fuck it i'm trying to get fired <laughs> so you know listen i'm sure carrie purcell is having a great time on twitter right now i'm sure her mentions are just mm-hmm. a, tr- a trash pile i shouldn't say a trash pile because everyone's right in your mentions carrie but just this idea of I don't know, like, 
perceiving Jewish men who happen to date non-Jewish women, even if they ultimately settle down with a Jewish partner, as like using her as an act of rebellion is so weird. And also, she just sounds like a terrible person. I mean, she might be a lovely person in real life, but this op-ed is... It, it's like a first version of an op-ed that you would send to an editor and then they would be like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, here's everything we need <laughs> to change. And also you need to go on some kind of, uh, there was an op-ed editor who was tweeting about this where they were like, this is like the cusp of what might eventually have been an interesting op-ed where someone has to like, go on some kind of intellectual journey where they're like, I thought I was a Jewish man's rebellion, but then I actually thought about it. Yeah. I wasn't right. Like that is what a good op-ed is not. Here's a bunch of anti-Semitic stereotypes mm-hmm. and I was right. And I have an idea for a cocktail with a garnish of bit. It's embarrassing. Also, uh, um, Quick caveat, yes. I don't want any bacon touching any of my cocktails. No, gross. It's gross. Gr- I mean, that aside, <laughs> it is just like ruining cocktail etiquette. I don't like it. Veganness, besides the point, mm-hmm. I don't want bacon near. I don't want no, vegan bacon in my cocktail. It's gross. It's gross. It has no place near a um, cocktail. But I mean, you you unfortunately could like change this to like, even if you took Jewish out of it, if you changed it to a, like a black man or yeah. a Hispanic man or something, it's like that's this is this very old kind of stereotype where yeah. they're like, oh, I'm gonna go date the waspy white girl to get it out of my system before I settle down with one of my own kind. Yeah, like, that's, and oh, like, that's and that's not to say that men thing. don't and and women too like that you can't fetishize um, a minority regardless of what that minority is. But in reading this op-ed, it was just like painfully clear that she doesn't either understand or value Jewish culture and the religion. <laughs> so it seems like she doesn't No, Yeah. She doesn't value it, but also she desperately wants to be invited to see her. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, yeah, you treated this woman like shit. And her big thing was like the mom called her and she was like, how did she get my phone number? Like probably from her. And she's like, she's meddling in our life. And it was like, okay. Okay. But then to also be like, and I wasn't invited to Cedar. It's like, right, because you clearly didn't want to be part of that family. Maybe this isn't so much about him being Jewish as you guys just not clicking, you know, which is fine. But to paint with such broad strokes. And also, yeah, to go back to your point of what if this said I'm tired of being a black man's rebellion. I think the editors of the Washington Post pretty quickly would have been like, oh, no, 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 we we can't publish that. (laughs) Absolutely not. This is really offensive. But for whatever reason, they thought it was okay to say that about Jewish men. And it's it, like bringing the mother into the story as well. Uh, I mean, like I, of my exes, like I haven't always like been best friends with my ex's moms. There have mm. been like some that I'm like, oh, we're really cool. But others, I'm just like, hey, if we text every once in a while, it's because you're my boyfriend's mom. Yeah. You, like maybe want to check up on him or like say hello to me or. Also, it's possible that <laughs> this man's mom w- was meddling and overbearing but that isn't because she's jewish that's just who she is as a person and there are moms and dads like that in every religion Mm -hmm. and and every race um so it's just like one negative stereotype after the other 
it was really breathtaking. Um, <laughs> and people were understandably very heated about it on Twitter. It's as if she had a checklist. Yeah, exactly. And also just wanted to like ruin her Twitter mentions forever. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, I have a very special interview to get to. Um, it's odd. I'll say that just up front. I wasn't prepared for it. I've had this problem lately of people breaking into my apartment and demanding I interview <laughs> them. And frankly, I'm doing it because I have a new show and I need to fill airtime. So without further ado, here's the latest train wreck. Guys, I thought we'd do something a little bit different on today's episode. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a New York City gal. I confess I don't know a lot about Boston, but I have a resident Boston expert on the show right now. One, Ms. Chloe Patterson. Hello. Hello. I thought we could today uh, talk about Boston, your stomping ground. Oh my God, my favorite place in the world. Yeah. That's where are your favorite uh, haunts in Boston? Favorite haunts? Um, got a little place called, I believe it's called copper smiths copper Ooh. copper something it's a real chill bar got a little roof super fun and then you gotta love a good duck tour got a what duck tour what's that oh duck tour duck tour i thought you were saying like conductor i also do love a good conductor yeah if i can great. have sex on a train i will yeah <laughs> <laughs> duck tour that's a duck fun. tour yeah half land half boat baby Ooh. it is the best I think I did that when I was in, oh, what God, why was I in Boston? I think probably I went with my family. We were checking out like Harvard and like that's oh, one of the big yeah. like tourist yeah, yeah, yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Chloe, what? little surprise for you. <gasps> Don't do it. I know you're a <gasps> huge Boston girl. I am. So uh, I have a very special interview right now. No. A special guest. He has been hiding in my closet. <gasps> so I'm going to. You can come uh this is uh well i'll let him introduce himself uh oh my god here, here's a mic hey uh how's it going oh my god hi <laughs> oh my god allison told me you're from boston i am from outside you're so boston <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 oh my god He's, uh, straight out of boston uh, this is kind of a big deal Whoa. uh he, this is yeah, i'm sorry she tell you what i do I didn't. I no. didn't tell her anything. So introduce oh. yourself. Please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Barnaby Callahan. I'm a janitor over at MIT. You're a what? I'm a janitor over at MIT. <laughs> a janitor. Whoa. Been working there for 30 years. Yeah. Oh my now, God. can I ask you something? Of course. Because I know this question immediately popped in the, to the heads of the listeners. I'm sure. Do you know Gil- Goodwill Hunting? I know Will Hunting? Will Hunting. I know Will Hunting. Yeah. The, the movie. No. No, Will Hunting was a janitor at MIT. But yeah, and oh. the movie was about what? Will Hunting. Yeah. But yeah. you know him? I knew him, yeah. Before, oh my God. before he fucking quit. Wow. See, I am so fascinated by that because he's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. Oh. Will Hunting? Yeah. Was the dumbest fucking janitor at MIT. What? That is That doesn't that seem cannot possible. Be true. He's yeah. a math genius. We're all geniuses. All you've of the gotta be, you've got to be smart to work at MIT. That's one of the qual- like for people who no offense are mopping floors and cleaning toilets. They you have to be a math genius. Uh, you have to be a genius in some field. 
Oh, so like, so, what's your okay. field? Yeah. I have a I have a master's degree in astrophysics. Jesus oh my god! Right? Yeah. Can I? I hope you don't take this the wrong way. Why didn't you pursue other great question? Work? Great question. It's so much being a teacher. is so much work. I just want to clock in, clock out, go home, have a beer, wash the socks. I get that. Talk about the complexities of an infinite number of parallel universes. I don't get that. Well, I never, th- I never considered that because I'm like, yeah, you're, you're brilliant. Why don't you go work at NASA? But that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's so much work and responsibility. But I don't know. Being a janitor seems like a lot yeah. of work. It's, and you have to put hot. up with a lot of shit from mm-hmm. the students. I know Boston I don't, kids, and they're shitty. They're shitty. First off, I don't take any shit from the students. Whoa, okay. What is that? I come <laughs> in, I do my job, they don't give me any lip. Whoa. That sounds like you've hurt someone. I'm from Boston. Of course I've hurt somebody. That's fair point. That's, that's fair. fair. Same. That's fair. I think, did we fight someone together? Is that why I'm you look sure, so familiar? Yeah, I'm sure. Chloe, I have a question. Do you not remember fighting someone with a janitor? <sighs> it's hazy. I'm going to go ahead and when say I you guys definitely have. know each other. I, uh, yeah. When I was, was it, do we beat up Carmine? Oh my god! <laughs> what? That was it. Yeah. Oh my god, we did well. You, yeah, you lifted him straight off the ground. That was nice. Yeah, I lifted him and you threw him. Oh my god! Wow! Wow! I wish I could say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Yeah. Do you wow. ever, Barnaby? Do you ever have contact with Will? No, I haven't seen him since he left. He just like. You know, one fucking guy just told him he was smart, and all of a sudden he just took off. Just got in a car and took off to uh, California or some shit. But he, I mean, he was also in love. Can you blame a guy? It's a fucking stupid reason. Why would you want to leave Boston? Boston is the greatest city on earth. Woo. All right, agree to disagree. <laughs> where, I mean, where else? You wouldn't could- leave if you fell in love, Barnaby? <gasps> no, because I would only fall in love with somebody who loves Boston. Oh, wow. I do That's what Boston, we do. Yeah. That's what we do. We live in Boston. I don't and know. We stay there forever. Yeah. I, I'm spacing on her name. I don't know if Will's lady didn't like Boston. Hmm. Well, she obviously didn't because she felt like she was too good. She had to go to California. All right. Well, I'm not. I, just, I don't want to be in a position where I have to defend Will Hunting. Okay. <laughs> Look, I just he got a little too big for his britches, if you ask me. Okay. Right? Fair. He, he's a little. Okay. little I, I look like I said, we're all smart. We all have our thing going on. I think it was dumb to give it up. Okay. Yeah. We, honestly, can I be perfectly honest? Yes. All the janitors are unionized. We make about the same as, same as the teachers. God, that's sad. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, that doesn't surprise me, but yeah. It's a right. sweet gig. Yeah. It's a sweet oh. gig. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like you guys should make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it's depressing to me that teachers are valued so little that you're now making the same. Does that make sense? I mean, it hurts me a little, sure. Yeah, but, sorry, yeah. buddy. Uh, Barnaby, what's your favorite part about Boston? Your favorite part? Ooh, yeah. good question. Like, but, uh, like the quality or like the physical part of Boston? Ooh, both. Oh. Mm. Uh, Chloe, I mean, you can answer as well. Okay, perfect. Do you want to go first or you want me to no, go No, you go ahead. Okay, physically, th- my favorite thing about Boston is that you can't walk anywhere. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. a fun adventure. Like, where's my car? Can I go where I want to go? Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love my car. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ever hear car, car talk? Car talk? <laughs> Did you mean so car talk? I have, I have a thing in cat my throat. Talk? Sorry. Okay, car yeah. talk. <laughs> I have a bubble in my I throat. I was like, I heard an R, but that can't be right. No, I, mean, I have a bubble <laughs> in my throat. Uh, have I ever heard of... What? Car talk. 
Katak. 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 On NPR. Oh, no, I have not. Oh. You should. It's good. I thought you were asking me if a, a car talked. And I was no. Okay, I'm going to interject right now. So, no. <laughs> location we got. Yeah. What is your favorite, like, the spirit of Boston? If you had to put it in a bottle. I love that everyone in Boston is ready to fight at the drop of a hat. Sure. Mm-hmm. But they also were very supportive of each other somehow. Okay. Like, they like come together. Okay. Always. Barnaby? Uh, my favorite part... <laughs> My favorite part is, uh, uh, let's see, I have to say the Sox, of course. Shocker, okay. Of course, I have every, there every game, every season. Um, every game? You're at every Sox Yeah, game? I'm a Sox fan. That's impressive. Yeah. Wow. I talk, Look, I said being a Jan is a sweet gig. Right, yeah. sure. They give you days off to go to Sox games. They give you the day off to go to Sox games? Yeah. I mean, that seems excessive. Every, look, everybody loves the socks. All right. So the Those, socks, what else? Uh, I mean, my favorite pot is probably MIT campus where I spend most of my time. Yeah, I mean, that makes when sense. When I'm not at the socks game. Yeah. Uh, my favorite part of Boston, of course, is the racism and homophobia. Ah, yeah. So go Boston. Mm. Uh, Barnaby, thank you so much for stopping by. Don't know why you were in my closet. I'm assuming you were cleaning. It's very well organized. Now. Yes, thank you so much. Mm, um, mm, you mm. can go back in there. I will. Do you wanna, well, do you want to go? We can go grab Bud Lights if you want. Bud Hell Heavies. yeah. Okay. You know what? Fine. Yep. Chloe, go with Barnaby. Get some beers. Talk about how great Boston is. Is it going to be a problem if you fight in your closet? Uh, if you fight in my closet? Is that going to be a problem? Yeah. <sighs> no, that's fine. Okay. You know what? You organize the closet. You have the right to fight in the closet. And while you're walking over there, can you find Eric? I think he went to go make a sandwich in the kitchen. Yeah, I'll go go see if I can find him. Can't promise we won't fight him. Thank you so much so I can continue the show. Um, I guess, Barnaby, I'll end it by saying go socks. Go socks. Go socks. Thank you to uh, the janitor from MIT and for Chloe Patterson for interviewing him with me. yeah, I wasn't prepared for it, but you know, sometimes people bust out of your closet and you got to interview them. The you closet? know how it is. He was in the closet the whole time. It's kind of weird. It's is kind it, of weird. Is that did he wait, did he come out of the closet on your show? Um, literally, not figuratively. <laughs> Damn it. Yet. Yet. Maybe there'll be a part 2 where that so will happen. I've noticed that you've put boards on the front door, so now you should put them on the closet as well. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty boarded up right now. Should we put newspapers on the windows? That'll be the next step. Okay. Yeah, that's how Hampton came in. <laughs> Hampton, the child actor, crashed through my window. It's chilly in here now. Guys, it happens. Once people find out you have a podcast, they're demanding you interview them. Mm-hmm. I get it. So it's that time, everyone. Let's get to your bad news. So today I wanted to talk about, and we've talked about it before, uh, not on Light Trees and News, but on Citizen Radio, uh, Sinclair News. Um, If you are unfamiliar with the Sinclair Broadcast Group, 
think of them as a local news version of Fox News. Mm-hmm. But even worse, somehow. <laughs> they have a greater reach than Fox News. Most people get their news through local news. So it's even more uh, dangerous that they're disseminating extreme right propaganda. So... Stories about Sinclair have been popping up in the news for a while now, but there was a a really big flare-up recently uh, because last month, dozens of anchors uh, who work for Sinclair Broadcast Group were given the same speech to their combined millions of viewers. It included a warning about fake news, a promise to report fairly and accurately and a request that viewers go to the station's website and comment if you believe our coverage is unfair. So that might not have seemed strange at the time, but Timothy Burke, the video director at Deadspin, had read a report last month from CNN which quoted local station anchors who were uncomfortable with the speech. Because obviously, like, not everyone who works for Sinclair is a a right-wing bot. Mm -hmm. You know, they... Maybe some of them actually wanted to be journalists and and they know that this is propaganda and they don't feel comfortable with it. So the New York Times has an article about all of this happening that I'll link to um, in the episode recap. But it's worth remembering that uh, Jared Kushner bragged about the fact that they the Trump campaign at the time before uh, Trump became president had struck a deal with Sinclair for quote-unquote straighter coverage. And what they mean by straighter coverage is pro-Trump coverage. Just the fact that Sinclair, uh, the anchors, are using the term fake news. That's a Trumpian term. Mm -hmm. Everybody immediately associates it with him. It's propaganda. So, yeah, obviously this is really, really dangerous. Um, And... There, some of the people who work for Sinclair have been tweeting. I don't think they've been tweeting. I think they leaked to journalists their uh, employment contracts. Ooh. And what can happen if you work for yet. Sinclair Broadcasting Group is if you try to quit before your contract is up, you have to pay them like 40% of your salary. Uh, I think the fuck not. Yeah, so now anybody who works for them who has moral qualms over having to regurgitate propaganda is stuck working for them. Oh. They actually can't quit. <laughs> All right, that would just make me real shitty at my job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. I would like, show up unkempt. I would slur. I'd be drunk. Let's just say <laughs> it. I'd be drunk. Drunk every day. Uh, yeah, I mean, n- not to let people entirely off the hook, but I can imagine... A scenario where perhaps you didn't realize Sinclair Broadcasting was a propaganda network, especially early on, and now being stuck there, yeah. forced to recite right-wing propaganda. Because it's not because they—it's not like they own a bunch of like Fox subsidiaries. They own Fox and like a, a, a CBS over here and an ABC there, and it's not just like the local Fox network. You know what I mean? You wouldn't expect it to be. Right. The conservative news. Yeah, like you you go to work at a local broadcasting place and you're like, yeah, we're just going to cover what's happening in our community. Not that we're being controlled by like conservative puppet masters. Yeah. Did you watch the video of them all edited together? No. I got about halfway through it before I was like, stop this madness. Oh, it's it's really frightening. And especially for, it's ironic to me that conservatives are concerned about free speech 
when there's like a BDS movement on a college campus, mm-hmm. right? But when there is an active, really prevalent right-wing <laughs> propaganda machine that is forcing journalists to recite a propaganda script, no concern. Because it just happens to be their version of the world. Yeah, it's just it's not like they even like like it was just basically it was a script like they didn't send out bullet points and be like hey hit these in your yeah it was a natural way that you presented creatively yeah Yeah. they're like it's like um it's like those those companies that write out bills and send them to senators and just change the name of the state oh the Koch brothers yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, but even that like they tailor it a little bit according to the state and like the senators put their flavor on it wasn't it a little while ago too that a memo leaked about what the people who work for sinclair could wear on air because they didn't want to seem biased. They're like, don't wear red. Yes. Don't wear blue. Wear like greens. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's encouraging that Sinclair Broadcasting Group is concerned enough about appearing balanced mm-hmm. that they're doing stuff like that. So hopefully, if there's enough pushback against them, they'll be forced to, because they are just a straight up propaganda yeah. network at this oh, yeah. point, which violates all kinds of like, airtime laws i met like the president can't have a propaganda the network right like that is not allowed legally Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they have to be really careful and kushner fucking running his mouth saying oh yeah we struck a deal with them what are the few times that he ever opens his mouth (laughs) i know he's like let me spill the tea uh so um some more details about the kushner thing Uh, He highlighted that Sinclair in states like Ohio reached a much wider audience, around 250,000 listeners, than networks like CNN, which which reached somewhere around 30,000. It's math, Kushner said, according to multiple attendees. Uh, But Sinclair, like, they tried to defend themselves and they said, this deal isn't nefarious or or new, just an arrangement for extended sit-down interviews with both candidates one many campaigns have done in previous years to get around the national media and directly to viewers in key states. Uh, Scott Livingston, vice president of news at Sinclair, said the offer for extended interviews with local anchors was made to both candidates. Trump did a handful of interviews, while Senator Tim Kaine did a few as well, though Hillary Clinton did not. It's Hmm. convenient that she didn't. It's, I mean, people also like they. I tune into the local news because they think that it's less biased than the big networks like yes. CNN, and that's yeah. I think there's this assumption that oh, these are people like from our community yeah. who don't have an agenda, who won't lie to us. Yeah, and they totally will. They totally will, and I, Whether or not I do they think want to. that's why Sinclair is a, even more nefarious than Fox News because so many people don't know about it mm-hmm. and don't know the reach. I mean, the fact that. In Ohio, Sinclair has a greater reach than CNN. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And I, I would bet most people wouldn't think that. If you polled them and you were like, which of these two things has a greater reach? Everyone's like, oh, CNN. Yeah. So that's why it's even more dangerous because you're getting propaganda through um, a means that maybe you wouldn't or- ordinarily even like be you know, keyed into it. Yeah. I mean, you also want like the, the, the local news. It... I, 
until a story like this came out, I would have also assumed that it was less biased. But mm-hmm. also, they, it's like so much. It's full of more like puff pieces yes. and stuff around the like. These cats are wearing little costumes, and I'm like, I'm here for it. Or that old uh, Ellen stand-up joke. They're like, "What you're eating for dinner might kill you." More at eleven. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, it's just like weird stuff like that that's meant to like scare like people who spend a lot of time at home. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's also like, yeah, cats wearing these adorable costumes during whatever. Which, don't get me wrong, is great. <laughs> and I wish CNN would do more of it, frankly. I think, yeah, I think you could pitch they that They have to, to fill 24 hours a day. Yeah. It's like, give me some costumes on cats. What? What? Yeah, you should I'm sad. pitch your own show to CNN and be like, Allison's Cat Hour. My cat corner. Nothing but puff pieces. Yeah. All about cats. All about cats. Oh, speaking of puff pieces about cats... There's, and I'm pretty sure it's an old meme, but I saw it right before you came over of somebody who was making, I think like pierogies or something. So like it's still the raw dough and they've just rolled it and it's on the kitchen counter and there are two perfect paw prints (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the pierogies. And then the next photo is a very guilty looking cat, like peeking around the corner. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, it's a little paw print, isn't it? That would be my segment on mm. CNN. How delightful would that be? Have you seen the one of the, uh, it's the camera watching a cat that's watching a horror movie? Like you're watching the cat react to what's happening on the TV? Oh, yeah. I heard that's fake. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think. Um, I, you know what? I choose to believe it's real. I choose to believe it's real too. The, th- the conspiracy theory I've heard about it not being real is that the way the cat's eyes are moving, someone's clearly just like got a toy in front of it. I don't care. <laughs> I know. I wanted to believe it was a horror movie, too. It was Psycho, right? The cat was watching Psycho. I think if you listen to the music, yeah, I think that's what you can hear. It's like the I think you hear him like, mother. <laughs> oh. He was, the cat was, looks terrified. So whatever you're, if it is a toy, what toy are you using? Yeah, I know. Is, mm, yeah. Sometimes I think about getting Desi and Penny more toys. But then other times I'm like, I have no money in your cats. And I think you're entertained enough. Well. Penny does have a new dress. She'd oh my god, you guys, Charles <laughs> brought one of the little costumes that you did you put on your dog or it was too big? Uh it's it's way too big for her. I put okay. it on her once and she like immediately got out of it. Yeah. But also she was angry. <laughs> right. Well, that will be Penny as well. But it is how would you describe it was, the it little was a, outfit? It was a Halloween costume that I got for her. It's an Alice in Wonderland dress. So I'm gonna put that on Penny. <laughs> and she's the gonna Velcro, hate me. The Velcro is very strong, so it might be hard for her to get it. Ooh, but okay. It's, it's huge on Harley, so it should just fit Penny. Mm, I was looking through all my other stuff and I was like, oh, everything else is far too small. Yeah. How old is Harley now? She will be she will be seven this month. It's great. My friend the other day, <laughs> Meredith, uh, for those of you who are listeners from Citizen Radio, wanted to bring her dog over, Rosie. Mm. She's like, what do you think would happen? And I was like, honestly, I'd be afraid for Rosie. What kind of dog is Rosie? Uh, she's a little corgi. Oh. And she's like the friendliest dog mm. in the world. She's so sweet. So I was like, I think Desi might be more curious. I think Penny would bring Have the heat. Yeah. I think she would immediately slap Rosie <laughs> across her beautiful little face. So I was like, don't do it because I'm legitimately afraid for Rosie. Yeah. But Rosie has met cats before and been cool. Oh, yeah. It's my insane cats I'm worried about meaning a dog. Uh that's the, the, when I when I've thought about getting a cat, I know that Harley is very curious about cats. Mm-hmm. She will she sees one on the street, she'll be like Hello. Yeah. What are you? Right. Uh, and then as soon as it either goes 
or like arches it back. She's like, never mind. Never mind. Good. Not Have interested. That's always how it goes. Like dogs are usually very much like, hi, hello, are we friends? And the cats are like, we are not. <laughs> um, Harley does, however, she either really likes or really hates birds. Because mm. if she sees more than like two pigeons congregating on the street, she's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Or hello. I don't know what her reaction right. is. <laughs> my cats birds. always look at me because they sit in the window and then they look at me like, mm, I could take care of your bird problem <laughs> if you let me out of here. And it's like, nah, I can't do that. Sorry. You're just letting these things fly all over the fucking yeah. place, aren't you? You got a real bird problem out here. You're the one who goes outside. Take care of this. Right. <laughs> also, bring me one. Meanwhile, the second I took Desi outside to the vet, he instantly is like, the world is a terrifying place and just I want no of part fur. of it. A puddle of fur, just like, no, thank you. Yes, but like a crying puddle of fur. Oh. Desi carried on so badly at the vet's <laughs> office that like the waiting room acted collectively to try to comfort him because he was such a fucking baby. Oh, There yeah, he is. That sounds right. Yeah. There was a random woman telling him he was handsome. That's not untrue. I mean, he was quiet for a little bit while he processed the compliment. <laughs> and then another dude turned his cage to the side so his cat could see Desi. Aww. And that calmed him down a little bit. That cat was so good. It didn't cry once. And mm. I was just like, Desi, aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> Look at that cat. It's not crying at all. And he was just like, Aww. And I, got, I don't baby. know if you guys have ever heard a tuxedo cat cry. It is the loudest thing. Like both of them screaming at me when I walked in. Yeah. And then screaming at you. For dinner. Yeah. yeah. They immediately clocked that it was dinner time. I like when you, you they're, like, they're like gently like suggesting dinner. And then as soon as you said, want dinner, they both just started <laughs> <laughs> screaming. Like, it's of course so we do. It's so loud. It's so loud. I've been telling you that for two hours. And I just thought cats sounded that way. But... Like other cat owners who come over are like, oh my God, <laughs> that is so loud. Yeah. I'm convinced my neighbors can hear Desi when he really carries on. Probably. It's insane. Is that your hoodie that he's on? Uh, yeah, that's my jacket. Mm, yeah. I apologize. It's fine. No, no, I expect it. I put it there specifically for him to lay Aww, on. Oh, that was nice. I know that he likes to lay on coats. All right, guys. I mean, this was all kind of your good news because we were just talking about cats. Yeah. But in case you're about to... Start on your merry little way to the to the rest of your day. I'm sorry I rhymed. To your jobs, <laughs> wherever you're going right now. Here's some good news. All right, your good news is a continuation of a story that I've been following for a while and and, uh, talking about on Citizen Radio, but there's an exciting update to it. So for many, many weeks, we were covering the teacher strike in West Virginia. That was really unprecedented, uh, unprecedented. Ultimately, the teachers won, and there was like a... a, um, a middle part where it looked like they had reached an agreement, but then the teachers were like, actually, no, they're (laughs) offering us crumbs. So we're going to continue to be on strike. And then they ultimately got what they have been striking for. So it seems as though, and I should say that these kinds of strikes are always happening, right? Uh, All over the country. Maybe they don't get as much media attention as they should. In fact, they most certainly don't, but especially like in Chicago, these kinds of organizing efforts are always happening. Here in New York City, they're always happening. But they're definitely 
feels like there's momentum right now following West Virginia because now there are teachers either on strike or planning strikes in Oklahoma and Arizona as well. Um, Teachers in Kentucky are gathering uh, at the state capitol to press for education funding. Many schools there are on spring break, allowing teachers to travel to Frankfurt. Uh, Schools not on spring break closed. Uh, And all of this, as I said, is following the action in West Virginia. Uh, There's also organization efforts in New Mexico, Alaska. It really feels like there's a, a, a growing tide, I should say. And we haven't even factored in like when the, the really big cities join in as well, like mm-hmm. Chicago, New York City. That's going to bolster the, I'll just call it the pro-education movement mm-hmm. uh, as well. So th- I think this is tremendously exciting, good news to see this kind of widespread organizational effort. Whether it's by teachers' unions or teachers getting ahead of the union and saying, you know what, we're not waiting. Yeah. We're going. I think, uh, um, I know that the, they said that the West Virginia uh, walkout mm-hmm. protest was illegal. And I know yes. that, that varies depending on state or county or something. Um, but yeah. What are, do we know if any of these are legal or quote I don't unquote know. illegal protests? Yeah, I don't know which are legal and which are illegal, illegal if any of them are illegal. Um, yeah, but regardless, it's really exciting to see teachers willing to fight for their students in this way. And also like, it's important to remember that that's what these teachers are doing because right wing media always wants to portray teachers as being greedy and not caring about students, which is so funny considering so many teachers pay out of their own pockets for school supplies and, and stuff like that. Anybody who becomes a teacher is not trying to get rich. Nope. If you are trying to get rich as a teacher, you are in the wrong profession. And just personally speaking, um, I went to school in, uh, at uh, Illinois State University. It's a big education school. I knew a lot of people becoming teachers. Nobody was laboring under the illusion that they were going to make money. They were all 100% there because they wanted to teach kids. Mm-hmm. And they were good people. And that's why they wanted to teach kids. And they were willing to toil in relative poverty to do that (laughs) like only a good person does that like all of my teachers in middle school and high school uh still to this day and they've been teaching at that school for like 20 years they still have outside jobs during the summer or after school Mm -hmm. like my old math teacher from middle school works at a movie theater yeah and the first time that my family saw him there they were like oh that's a nice it was like cool like hey he's here but also like like watching my younger sisters process the fact that he needed, he needed to be there. to work yeah. yeah yeah and i think most people when they find that out are like what yeah. that's insane you shouldn't have to have another job as a i mean especially if you're a parent wouldn't you want your your kid's teacher to make enough money where they're not fucking exhausted from working multiple jobs mm-hmm. but anyway um so that right-wing um propaganda aside Obviously, these teachers are striking because they see the conditions in their own schools. And it's not just we don't have enough supplies in classrooms, which is bad enough, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about, like, there's black mold in our school Mm -hmm. that's making the kids sick. There's no soap in the bathroom. The bathroom 
the bathrooms don't have stall doors. Like that basic of requirements, a lot of these public schools don't have. And finally, the teachers are so fed up that they're like, fuck it, we're going on strike, you know? Or, or even if it is just like, I don't want to say quote unquote, even if it just is, but salary. Like you yeah. should be able to earn a living wage as a teacher in the United States. And it's fucking absurd that we have to have that conversation. Absolutely. Like this is the most important job in the country, teaching kids. It's it, like, if you work at a, if you work at a public school, why aren't you considered a state employee the way that someone who works at like a courthouse would be like, why yeah. wouldn't you be protected in the same way that you would someone who works at like a, like a public library well no I won't mm. use library um, but like a courthouse or like a, a social security office or something where you get like actual benefits you're working for the state you're working for the county something yeah yeah it, it's it's very strange and then to watch conservatives then bemoan the rest of the state of the country and pretend like those two things aren't connected it's like if you're underfunding public schools everything else is built on that yeah so everything else will underperform i i wonder if now i'm giving her a lot of credit okay considering <laughs> that i don't think that she's a very intelligent lady unfortunately is well, this about ms betsy devos it is okay um i wonder if she's <laughs> going to use this to be like charter schools oh absolutely and i think that's I th- I always think conservatives that's like their end goal. Yeah. They want to privatize education. Oh, they do. Yeah. yeah. So w- that's why they portray teachers who are on strike to be like, "Hey, we don't have basic supplies. Hey, we don't earn a living wage." as being greedy because yeah. they're like, "Oh, see, they're trying to hurt the students by going on strike because the kids can't learn if they're on strike." So, we should just privatize education so we nip this problem in the bud. I know that's why they consider them like well, at least some of them were illegal. Um, walkouts yes. or some whatever. Um, when I was in middle school, my teachers from the elementary, middle, and high school were on strike, and they weren't allowed to strike during school hours. They had to do it before and after. So, bef- on driving into school, you'd see them all on the front lawn. What state was this? New York. Oh, this was New York. Okay, Absolutely New York. Okay, um, yeah. You, they would all be on the front lawn with their signs, and then they'd go in and teach us, and come back right out at the end of school and do it again. Wow. Every single day. Cause they, could, they, they legally, according to the union or laws or something could not protest during school hours. And of course that's deliberate because the only point of leverage a union has is labor. Yeah. So if you can't disrupt the flow of labor, in other words, if it is actually illegal to go on strike during school hours, you have no point of leverage. Yeah. They did eventually win, but it took them like two years straight yeah. of protesting. Th- this is always the conversation day. we have if like the MTA goes on strike or like any kind of like public transportation workers go on strike. Mm-hmm. People get furious because it affects their jobs mm-hmm. and I get that is disruptive and annoying and all of that stuff. But also, that's the only point of leverage they have. If they don't inconvenience people, they can't win. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when the MTA shut down in, like, what, 2005, 2006? Uh, I might have been on the road then. I think you were. Yeah. It was chaos. chaos. <laughs> I can't imagine. <clears throat> it's so bad now when it's running. <laughs> yeah. Like, cabs weren't allowed to go anywhere with, like, less than a certain amount of people in them. And everyone wow. was splitting fares and... But, I mean, when they came back, they gave everyone, like, a free month of MTA. So that was hey, great for a month, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'd take it. <laughs> I know what we can end on since we're talking about our theme of education and teachers. Last time we spoke about education, I think we were talking about conservatives wanting guns in classrooms. Bears. And, <laughs> and bears and armed bears in classrooms. That's what Betsy DeVos wants. Bear arms. Bear arms. 
And so we were talking about what a horrible idea that was because, and then we were were giving specific examples of teachers, horrible teachers Mm -hmm. from our high schools where it was like, imagine if this teacher had been armed, how horrible it would have been. But let's flip it right now. And in honor of all of the good teachers out there who are majority, the vast majority of teachers are good teachers. Who was your favorite teacher? I, that's Honestly, with the amount of teachers that I had that, like, like there were three or four that were really, really horrible. Uh-huh. I also have, like, way more than that that I really loved. Um, <clears throat> uh, I had Mrs. Thomas in fourth grade. Um, she was really amazing. She was my first teacher at a public school. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has a special place in my heart. Um, my math teacher from eighth grade, Mr. Hackett, was awesome. My English teacher in high school, Mr. Farr, he was, I believe, taught freshman and senior year but he was also in charge of the school magazine that i was editor of mm-hmm. and i i loved i would go like he played guitar in class and watched let us watch he was a, kind of a hippie it was awesome yeah yeah yeah. also a total babe um, <laughs> i know i was like don't just name the teachers that you thought were hot um mrs goldman my art teacher um was amazing mm. Um, and then my high school principal, Miss France, um, who is no longer with us, unfortunately, Aww. but she, when she found out that I was going to be the first person to take a boy to prom at my school, Aww. um, she got a couple extra chaperones Aww. and every, everything to make sure that I didn't know you happened. were the first person. Mm-hmm. I was the first person to take a same sex date to school, to a prom. And then someone fucking topped me. Then, well, <gasps> I won't say top me, tied me okay. the next year and went to prom and drag. Oh. But also... You're welcome. Maybe, but yeah, maybe they, <laughs> you gave them the courage to do it. But I was like, in drag, really? <laughs> God damn! <laughs> if I had known that was an option, I would have done both. Um, but she was a uh, she was a lesbian, so she was like, I got you. Solid, solid. Yeah, she was awesome. That's awesome. And when uh, when she died, it was very sad. Oh, that sucks. But I had some really, I had, I had some awful teachers, but I had some really fucking excellent teachers. There were so many more that were like really good. Uh, oh, my chemistry teacher just died last month. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, so of course there were the teachers who I was just like, "Mm, you're hot. Yeah. (laughs) And they also, and they legitimately were like good teachers too. Um, but I always think of in high school, I had a social studies teacher named, um, Kermit Eby and he was a big old hippie Okay, and he was the first teacher who basically taught us in like a socially acceptable public school way that everything we learned about history was bullshit. Mm -hmm. And he did so by like on the first day saying, name a historical fact you think, you know, and we would (laughs) say it and he would give like the minority viewpoint about why that's not true. Wow. And he was like, and that's like not to undermine reality or our idea of like, reality or anything like that he just wanted to show that everything you read in your history books is presented through a very narrow lens of mm-hmm. cis white men who were property owners yeah. and and it's important to remember that and that really like blew my mind at the time where i was like what That's awesome though yeah so there was uh he was great um i uh Mr. Scar was great. He was a biology teacher. Another good name. Yeah. He was great because, like, he was very cool and, like, young for a teacher, but also, like, we felt like 
really comfortable hanging around in his classroom like after school and like Mm -hmm. it was just like a constructive area for us to hang out in yeah that's awesome yeah um Oh, I had Mr. Mr. Giffler, Mr. Dawson. Most of my English teachers, because I was really yeah. I, I had really an English teacher, writing. and I'm fucking spacing on her name, and I feel so terrible about it. She was this fabulous older woman who drove the James Bond car. What? <laughs> yeah, like I went to a, a pretty wealthy high school, and she was clearly wealthy enough where she didn't have to teach. She just loved uh, literature so oh, much cool. that she taught. I think her name was Mrs. Thomas, um, but. She was the first teacher I had who I like went up to like get my report from her and she went, ah, Allison, one of my most brilliant writers. And I was like, am I good at writing? Mm. And she was like the first teacher who said that to me. So yeah. that was cool. A lot of the stuff like uh, uh, Mr. Farr, he was uh, one who would take like my essays or my poems or whatever we were doing at the time and just enter them into state contests that I had Aww. no idea that they were entered in until yeah. he was like, you won this. That's really nice. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Mr. Foz, my chemistry teacher who died just recently, um, also when I uh, lost my copy of uh, Hole, the Hole CD, uh, he burned me his copy and was Stop. like, never tell anyone I gave <gasps> this to you. What a and cool dude. now I'm dude. telling someone. What a cool dude. Oh, I love it. It was really cool. I love that he was listening he was, to Hole. He was a grumpy old man, but he was cool. Can we talk about how great Hole was, by the way? It was so good. So good. Uh yeah, Mr. Richardson was the first teacher I had. He was our, speaking of teachers being asked to do too much, he was our algebra slash track coach. Mm. And I had him for both things. Like I ran track and... You ran track? A little bit. I ran track. A little bit. Not like, it's not what you're thinking. I wasn't like hardcore in a track. Okay. I would just like occasionally like run stuff under school after school. Um, but he was also my algebra teacher and he was the first teacher who like, I, this is going to make me sound like an asshole and I was an asshole in like in <laughs> high school. Was this high school? This might have been before. This might have been junior high. But I was really used to being naturally good at things. Mm-hmm. And I reached a certain level of math that I really had to work hard. And I worked really hard at algebra with Mr. Richardson. And suddenly one day it like clicked for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I fucking love algebra. Yeah. And I think it was because of him and the way he taught math. And then by the time I... I think this was junior high because when I got into high school, or maybe this was early in high school. This doesn't matter, guys. But eventually, <laughs> like when I started getting into like algebra two and stuff like that, it was so easy for me mm-hmm. because he gave me that really good foundation. Good. I yeah, I was I was very good at algebra. Geometry fucked me up. Oh, geometry not, fucked up my head. I, I hated it. I hated geometry. And then we did trig after that, and trig I was fine with. I have no memory of trig. I have no memory of it, but I remember it was I like, don't think I learned it, good. but is that possible? I think <laughs> because I took algebra 2, I didn't have to take trig. Oh, okay. Maybe? I don't think we is that a thing? Two. I don't know. I don't think I ever learned trigonometry. It's the reason I can give my math skills. It's weird because people are usually either good at English and history or yes. science and math, yes. and I was good at English and math and bad at science and history. Ooh, I was good at, in high school, I was good at algebra two and physics and English. Physics? English. Nope. Yeah. Fully out of physics. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. But um, I passed the hist- my history class because we had a grant and one teacher had this one computer program that was like thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Where you like typed in the questions and then it printed them out at random. So everyone's test was different. Oh, interesting. So you couldn't cheat. Yeah. Um, why don't more schools do that? I don't know. Wow. Um, but well, maybe this is why, because <laughs> I would go through and answer what I knew and then figure out the rest of the answers based on the pattern. 
you little smarty pants. So I didn't pants? have to know the answers. Oh. Because it, it always put it out in these weird yes. patterns. And I was yeah. like, C-A-A-C, B-D-B-D. Like it was always a pattern. And I was like, oh, that's easy. Oh, so I don't so have to learn smart. any of this shit. That's what, yeah, you answered it why they don't he do that anymore. Because so of that I your little class. fucking punk ass. That's why. Anytime that he asked me a question in class, I honestly didn't know the answer to it, but I passed all the tests and it made him furious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to show your work. You could just. For history? No. Oh, I thought this was math. No, okay. Was, I used math to pass history. <laughs> gotcha. 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 Yeah. I, I don't really have a Is memory it math of. If it's just patterns? I don't think so. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't remember. I think I liked history. The way that they taught us history in junior high was we had pods mm-hmm. and the walls were movable. So oh, during okay. history, they would remove the walls and we would have like one big history class together, nice. which was kind of cool. It was like kind of like story sharing. Mm-hmm. So I weirdly, I looked forward to history because it was like, somebody's going to tell us a story. <laughs> and then I got, to Kermit Eby's class and he was like lies and I was like oh no <laughs> the pilgrims and the Native Americans weren't friends what you're kidding <laughs> uh, I remember the thing I gave him where he was like give me a historical fact that you think is true and I was like the north won the civil war and he could not stop laughing he was like well if you talk to anybody in the south they have a different version of that and I was like I see wait I know that they call it the war of northern aggression, aggression. but do they say that they won the war I don't know if they say they won. I mean, honestly, there are probably people you sure. can find who are like, no, the South won. The yeah. South won. I mean, there are Confederate flags everywhere. Yeah. So Anytime I've been like, no one could possibly think this, I've been proven wrong. Okay. So let's just say, yes, there are people who think the South won. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I, I like that he couldn't stop laughing at you openly yeah. in class. He was though. like, well, uh, guys... What an episode. Thanks for tuning in. Please follow Charles on Twitter at Charles Rockhill. Uh, if you are looking for very sexual tweets, mm-hmm. uh, I'm into it. I follow Charles. It's a good time. It's like Britney Spears tweets and sexual tweets. Yep. Is that a good summation? Uh, Britney Spears, sex tweets, um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Um, usually stuff about your previous podcast and this podcast now. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the four topics that I hit. Please follow the show on Twitter at Light Trees and Pod. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Check us out there as well. Thank you for listening. Get out there and you know what to do. Cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>